With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Stratticast. I am your host, Dale O'Donnell, and I am joined by Sean Connolly to discuss the latest unfolding events at Old Trafford as the Glazer family decide now is the time to sell the club. We're going to discuss how Sir Jim Ratcliffe has emerged again as a contender to buy the club, what reports are saying about friend of guitar and club icon David Beckham, as well as what Jim O'Neill thinks about the potential sale. On a side note, Cristiano Ronaldo's contract at United has been terminated, which is a little update from the last episode we did. Sean, dating back to 2005, there was a big issue with Malcolm Glazer taking over. That was mainly to do with where the money was coming from and the lack of any future investment or the likelihood of that. Those concerns have come to basically being truthful for the past 17 years. When you look at the potential buyers of Manchester United in 2022, they're not the same concerns, but a lot of fans will have concerns for these potential investors, right? I don't think any of them will be happy with. I think the the pain and the scar tissue that's left over from the ownership, if and when they leave, has just left enough a concern in any fan's mind to be worried about who's going to replace them. Because after so many years of protesting and trying to, I suppose, get control back of our club and have someone at the helm that's actually there for, obviously, everyone that's there is going to be there to line their own pocket. They're not there for the, for the, for the good of the air or anything like that. It's not a sentimental thing. Even with the likes of Ratcliffe, it's not a sentimental thing because they have to put money into their own pocket. But fans are going to be concerned about who's coming in based on what has happened since 2005. And there's a lot of people who are very much more educated on this particular process based on what has happened since that time. Sean, what did you make of the news initially as a fan? Because trying to describe it out myself, it's not easy to put into words really because it's 17 years fans have battled this and I think they finally got what they wanted. But 
there is a sense of kind of cautious optimism when it comes to to the future of being without the Glazers and who could come in next. Oh well, obviously the the news was brilliant. Just to to see any reality that this could possibly happen is fantastic, and I also like the timing of it in that it really overshadowed Ronaldo and and what was just been. <laughs> spoken about night and day for so long was essentially just brushed to one side immediately and it's like yeah oh yeah Ronaldo left and and now we're focusing on what really matters and to me that that was the main thing about it and yeah fantastic it's uh it was shocking at first I think oh my god we have we done it <laughs> is is this happening is is it finally working are they finally gone and uh yeah yeah it was just it was wonderful to read that it's actually real particularly when the official club statement came out and then obviously to hear about grant when they when they snookered him uh outside a restaurant i think it was over in florida that i know they're they're wording it in this sort of avenue of that they're analyzing the the various different financial avenues that they can but uh yeah fantastic what do you think about it I was thrilled. Obviously, over the moon, I've spent years covering the story. And in the last four months, we've been covering it from an angle that we believe the club was for sale. So this has been this has been known for a couple of months. I think the biggest difference now is the, the Glazers were kind of had it for sale in a kind of a closed market um, based on intel of, of who, who knew their, their intentions. Now it's in a public market. It's there for all to see. They're publicly stating that we are selling. We have had enough. We want out. Um, and that will raise questions too about how long this process will take. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Um, I think over the coming weeks and coming months, the Glazers will use this time to to really fish out what kind of valuations they can get back and to see how much they can sell the club for. Because it's an interesting time, Sean, because Liverpool have come out FSG and have announced that they're trying to sell the club as well. And I think what's happening here is you have two groups of American investors, two American um, owners in the Premier League that are coming out at the same time because they realise that this is where they can make the most money. They've seen how much Chelsea went for over two billion. And we all know Manchester United and Liverpool are far, far bigger than Chelsea. Um, I think one important point I wanted to make on this with, with future investments for both clubs because... Liverpool and Manchester United, great rivalry, as we know, and we hate Liverpool. But these are the two biggest football clubs in English football. And you'd like to see that the governing bodies, the, the government, the UK government, and whoever else it takes, is that they step in at the right time to ensure that these clubs fall into the right hands. I can't stress how important that is, that we have spent 17 years voicing their anger against the Glazers and wanting them out for, for X amount of reasons. For they, They've come in, they've absolutely used their club as a commercial cash cow. But it doesn't stop here. Manchester United deserve the best. I think as a football club, we, we both know that this club can operate without a sugar daddy, without a, without a sheik, or without some other group from a human rights abusing state. Um, this 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 club leads but should be leading by example and should be competing up there with top players of Real Madrid. Um, but the Glazers have stopped that. They've they've stopped that being being a possibility through greed. Um, but Sean, one of the other questions that I had for you is the Glazers they bought into a successful team and a well-run club under Sir Alex Ferguson and 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 David Gill. It went tits up, obviously, when they hired Ed Woodward to do Gill's job. 
But do you think all of this happening now, the potential sale, and what we're seeing even with Cristiano Ronaldo getting the boot, that this is all happening at a really good time for Eric Ten Hag? And that's kind of gone a bit under the radar because we're all so excited about the news of the Glazers selling up. Do I think that it's happening at a good time for Ten Hag? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's come to the club. He's he's obviously he's he's here a very short period of time, and already you can see that he's he's getting his vision across on the field. I think if it does come to fruition that ownership does start going to the hands of of somebody else, that they can come into the club knowing that there is numerous areas that need a little bit more than a lick of paint, but that the managerial section is in good hands. There's a good, I suppose, progressively top rank European coach at the club who's cultivating his image in the dressing room. And ultimately, you'd be hoping that if they come in, they want to make some sort of statement that they're here and Manchester United are going to be a powerhouse and that they unload a, or offload, I should say, a, a pretty substantial transfer kitty for him. So I would think it's going to be a good thing for him. Maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate here just to throw out a different different view on this, but usually when new owners buy football clubs, they come in and they have owners trying to make a statement and they, they change how things are currently working at the club. We've seen that with Chelsea only months after Todd Bowley came in. Thomas Tuchel, one of the top managers in Europe, got, got his marching orders. Um, so he had a different view for the club and things can change drastically. You do hope that whoever does take over Manchester United touches on what you just said and realises that we... The managerial situation is okay. Um, it, well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't need. It doesn't need alter. And I think we. It's. It's a process that we should be backing. If anything. Yeah. Well, I, I. In this particular situation, if somebody else comes in instead of the Glazers, they're going to see the amount of protesting and the fan power that we have as a football club, and the large. I mean that. They'll have individuals who are looking at every sort of aspect from social media to the presence in the ground, what the fan opinion is on the manager and how the team is performing and realise that if we come in here and we try to change this, we're going to upset an awful lot of people very, very quickly. So I, it was slightly different with Chelsea as well because there was an immediate necessity to sell there and then. So mm. obviously there was a whole lot of things that were going on in the background there. This is a different situation. This is one of, if not the biggest sporting entity in the world. And as I touched upon in one of the last podcasts that we had, it's a fan base that had the capability to be able to get Manchester United and Liverpool called off. They, they're, anyone who's coming in is going to be shrewd enough to know that the fan base is beyond disgruntled. The fan base is broken and is crippled and just has zero trust for anybody in a hierarchical sense. So coming in and taking the one good thing that we have at this moment in time and throwing it away for something else it doesn't fit the mould. I mean, I'd look at it realistically that if they were coming in and they did want to cultivate the club in their image and say, we're here now, this is a new manager, they would be looking at Ten Hag if he was still at Ajax and saying, this is the type of manager who can lead us into the next generation of, of Manchester United. So I don't think Ten Hag has to worry about any potential comings and goings. The one thing I will give the Glazers is that the, they are thick-skinned. Uh, but why, why do you think they've decided now to sell up because it's been there's been protests for for seventeen years. There's been effigies burnt outside Old Trafford of Malcolm Glazer. There's they've had, they, they've had they've had heat. They've had heat. So why do you think now that them and also FSG, two American owners, 
are saying, right, we're packing our bags. Could, could it be something to do with a potential recession in America? Possibly, possibly. Um, I think I would look at it in a sense that they've looked, they've taken Chelsea's situation and they've seen the consortium that Todd Bowley is leading. Now, obviously, there was an immediate necessity for that club to be sold. So it went to an auction, per se. And I think there was something like three dozen, 20 different, I suppose, really suitable applicants that were coming in to purchase the club. Now, they've looked at how many people were willing to come forward to buy Chelsea and ultimately how much Chelsea went for. So they've then, I suppose, sat back. They've looked at FSG and they've seen what they're doing at Liverpool. And these people know a lot more in the back end of of these situations than we know. So they're probably should looking I, at should point. add Sean too that United have hired the Rain Group who were involved yeah. with that Chelsea deal, so they can go straight yeah. back to the table with these groups you're can. talking about and say we've now got a bigger, bigger yeah. the club on on up for yeah. sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've t- you've taken about maybe four lines out of my mouth before I was going to mention them, but uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's essentially what it is. They've looked at Liverpool. They've said right, there is an avenue here. There's huge money to be made, and that is the largest key contributor is who they have brought on board to oversee any sort of a financial aspect in this. Quite simply because the way that they have come out and the way that Glazer was caught outside the restaurant and he said, as, the, as it is, we're analysing and we're weighing up different sort of avenues. He's not going to come out and he's not going to say, the club is for sale. Just He's not going to just come out and say that because ultimately what's going to happen then is it sets an air of desperation. And in setting an air of desperation, you got individuals coming in that might have six quid in their back pocket and they might say, here's four. Um, Because ultimately then, if they get into a situation where they don't get the sum of money that they want, ultimately they've come out from day one and they've laid all their cards on the table. It's gone tits up and they've had to turn back around and say, "Uh, we change our mind. Ultimately, when they're coming out in a situation and they're saying, we're analyzing various different statistics, they're still trying to keep their main cards and their trumps close to their chest but they brought in a financial overseer to basically take the reins on this and say, we would like six, go and get us six. And ultimately, when they're keeping those cards close to their chest, they're more likely to get six rather than coming out and saying, the club is for sale. We're, we're willing to, like, to, to, to listen to X, Y, and Z because ultimately then it goes, into the, it goes into the buyer's hands as opposed to being in the seller's hands. Absolutely. The Telegraph claims that Jim Ratcliffe is planning a bid and many others would be interested. Do you think Jim can be the saviour, like so many are suggesting on social media, or are you kind of sitting back on a more waiting to see what his plans are? I think if you if you read up on it and you look at the list of potential suitors that are coming in, obviously Jim reads the best because people can pull the, I suppose, the the link to the club his 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 heritage, his roots, the fact that he is 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 apparently a, a boyhood United fan, even though he's also come out and claimed that he has a, a keen fondness for Chelsea from his time that he spent living in London. But the, 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 yes. the one thing the people don't want to talk about though is his the fact that he was an advocate for Brexit. And I think in all the coverage that we've seen, there's been no mention of that. And I think it's clear proof that of all the contenders for this club that he's got a lot of friends in the media. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course he does. And, and another thing that people need to realise as well, if, if it was a situation that he was looking to buy the club, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be Jim Ratcliffe purchasing the club. It would mm. be his, his major uh, business acquisition. You know, it, it, it's going to be Ineos, Ineos yeah. that, that are going to purchase the club. 
and it's not going to be Jim Radcliffe. So it's going to be Ineos, and people need to realise that. Yes, from the list of potential suitors, he certainly reads the best based on the nostalgia that we can attribute to him. But people need to be really, really clear on this. Nobody is going to come in, even Jim Ratcliffe, and drop a huge proportion of his financial wealth to purchase a club just for the sake of purchasing a club. These people are looking at the figures and they're thinking about how they can make money. You would like to think that if someone is coming in, they're going to have a bit of financial savvy about them to realize what the Glazers have not done is that if we want to make money, we have to spend money like any suitable business person would. So that's, you'd just be hoping you'd be keeping your fingers crossed that surely to God, given who's been looking after the club since 2005, we're due a bit of good luck now at this stage. Something that I pondered across the last few hours is only thinking more about the club being for sale, um, which I've done a lot in the past 24 hours. But a couple of weeks ago in the Europa League, you'll remember away to Real Sociedad, there was reports from angry fans that the their flags weren't allowed into the stadium, anti-Glazer flags. Now, a few of them did make their way in. And you'll notice that those that were in were coloured differently. They weren't necessarily green and gold. They could have been black with some writing displayed across them. But it just made me think that with the club now for sale and all these potential foreign investors, the Glazers won't want to show that they're toxic to this brand, which they are. Um, and I, I guess some people listen to podcasts and say, well, everyone can see there's protests every week. These investors aren't stupid. A lot of these investors don't know much about football um, that, we're, that we're talking about. They have no interest in football. And you, you're talking about that they're not going to put this money into the club and not expect it back. My fear is that it'll be someone who has so much wealth it's not, this isn't necessarily the fear, but they'll have so much wealth that they won't care about how much they're putting into Manchester United. And it'll be for a pure, purely sports-washing project. And that's not what I want to see this football club becoming. You're talking We've about seen, Saudis here now. Talking about Saudis, yeah. I'm talk, Well, next question, to be honest, Sean, was that many of the Middle Eastern countries, such as Qatar and Saudi Arabia, have already like big investments in European football. Like, do you think it's only a matter of time before neighbouring state Dubai come knocking with not just Manchester United on the market, but also Liverpool? There's, there's so much appetite for these clubs. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, uh, like we'll say, any sovereign states like Newcastle are really the, the state-owned entity now. So you're going to be looking more so at private investors that are going to be backed by the states. But ultimately, as Ronaldo being a a viable option for Saudi clubs, Manchester United and Liverpool being viable options for these these ownerships, these private ownerships that ultimately bring that sort of value to the Middle East and to those countries to to generate more interest in the sport and generate more revenue, this is is, is only a good thing for them. And, And ultimately, as you drew mention to, people that have obscene wealth, obscene wealth, that it, it really and truly, it's it's just a drop in the ocean to them. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a distinct possibility. I know now the, the large point is that when the Glazers are leaving, we don't want blood money. You know, we don't want American consortiums that have got nothing but money on their mind and that ideally we want someone like Ratcliffe coming in 
But realistically speaking, with the money that is going to be required to buy this club, it's going to take someone who's got super, super wealth and unfortunately a very large percentage of those live in places that we ain't too keen on. That's just a fact of the matter, isn't it? Because I was only speaking to a Liverpool fan from Ireland um, today about it because he's speaking about his club being for sale. And it's the reality kind of hitting that he's not going to get the the ideal or solution out of this. His football club is probably, the, the owners are probably going to put a stain on the club. It's embarrassing. Whether it's human yeah. rights abuse or whatever, it's it's it, 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 it's something. Sean, I think is quite big because we've already seen at Manchester United you know, when the Glazers came in that there was a, a fallout amongst the support, and some people went their separate ways and started following FC United of Manchester. But um, I can imagine that if, if if we get in the wrong owners here, that a lot of season ticket holders will t- could turn their back on the club if it goes worst case scenario. I'm talking. I don't want to put this on a downer because it's fantastic news that the Glazers are for sale, but I just am cautious of the the water we could fall, fall into. Um, just it's, it's something else that I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely possible. It's 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 sort of drawing back on one of the first topics we spoke about tonight, in that people are so much more educated on this now based on everything that has occurred since 2005. People have read up on this. The the availability of this information on Twitter and any other social platform means that you have normal Joe Soaps who spend time educating themselves on football finances and on the, the mega tycoons that have the ability to be able to purchase football clubs. There's almost an air of this ideal now that because the Glazers are going, we, the supporters have the opportunity to pick who's going to buy the club. Yeah. And unfortunately, we don't. We don't. Mm-hmm. And and yes, I mean, I know the 58 and all that have come out and they've said that it doesn't stop now, that we just, we have to keep going and we have to hammer home our point that this is who we want to come in. And, and that's fantastic if we have some sort of way of doing that. But there has to be a realistic ideal in this, that there is a substantial amount of money that's going to have to go into purchasing this football club. And as I drew mentioned on a moment ago, a very, very large proportion of those people live in places that individuals will not be happy about. I mean, ideally, we can have Jim come in and we can have the nostalgia behind him come in and drawing back on one of the first few questions again, he definitely looks like the best person when you're reading them off off a sheet. Absolutely. It's just a situation of if he is going to come in, is he going to be willing to drop X proportion of his wealth to go in a face-off against an individual from the Middle East that has an obscene amount of wealth that can literally throw twice the amount at it. I think the, the one thing people listen probably wonder whether well, the two of us are not or not. What do you want then? What what do you want? Uh, I, I think I, I want owners that support true fan base control and c- can make Manchester United not just the biggest football club in the world again, but also a democracy in a sense that it, it listens to its fans. Um, is that too much to ask for when someone is going to have to fork out potentially four to five to maybe six billion pounds? Um, maybe. Maybe that's me living in a, an idealistic world, but um, 
but there I, has to be some sort of I'm proper very channel excited of communication. About the selling. Yeah, I think at the very least, and also I think on that, anyone looking at this at this accusation will will be if they don't know already, they'll learn very quickly about Manchester United fans protesting for the past seventeen years, and if they're not happy, that they they can be very very vocal. I think it makes sense for the new owners to come in and try to be popular with the fans and, and, and to actually have a relationship. It's actually, we actually live in a, in a strange one, Sean, because for the past 17 years, our, us as fans have had no relationship with our owners. It's been non-existent. There's been no communications. Like the statement they released the other night um, in regards to selling the club and looking for investment was, I think it was the longest statement that they ever published to the fans it was over 340 words um but most statements from the glazers come in about two to three short paragraphs they don't and they don't say anything and what they do say are usually full of lies um sean just something i want to touch on before we get to the listener questions a lot of people on social media i'm sure you've seen this and i'm sure it's irked you uh, a lot of people are suggesting that cristiano ronaldo may have had a little influence on this. Um, the, the fact of the matter is that so many people have been talking about this for four months. That's proof that Ronaldo had no, had no influence in this. But do you think he made any difference by coming out and speaking about the Glazers and maybe making their position look a bit weaker? No. In no way, no shape, influence. or form. No, no influence at all. No, I I, 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 I don't I think it triggered. I don't think it triggered the Glazers. I do think it didn't look good, but I don't think it made any much of a difference because, in a sense, that it didn't look good. It didn't look good for sponsors that the biggest athlete in arguably the world is coming out saying that the owners of this club don't care about it. The fans have been saying this for the past seventeen years, and now Ronaldo's coming out saying that. I don't think that looked good for sponsors, and we have seen in the past. I think maybe two or three days that Team Viewer, it was that last week, Team Viewer yeah. reviewing their sponsor, um, their sponsorship deal. But I think that's all pretty interesting because at this time, United are also at the negotiation table trying to get a new deal with Adidas. So I don't think, it, I think it may, might have made their position a little bit weaker, but I think anyone giving him any sense of um, a pat on the back <laughs> is. I, t- is I think top one crap. of those things where. With all the protests, <coughs> with all the with all the protests and all the fan led situations over the last few years, that as 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 large events as they had to be for fans to be able to build them and, and, and arrange them and actually create them, they might end up like a toothpick in an elephant's arse. That it seems like you're doing nothing. But realistically, every single toothpick does something. And even though I don't feel Ronaldo's ex- exploits have, have pushed him over the edge and said, oh, that's it. Christie doesn't like us. That's it. We have to pack it up and we have to go. We, we, we can't be dealing with this anymore. If Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> doesn't like us, then by God, we have to just leave it. I mean, but he's yet By the way, for Ronaldo, who doesn't like anyone but himself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Look, you're, you are correct in what you're saying. I mean, any sponsor of Manchester United does not want to see negative publicity because any negative publicity on Manchester United 
is a negative publicity for the sponsor because they're associated with that particular subject. So obviously Ronaldo coming out and saying, oh yeah, they, they don't like the club. Yeah, I mean like TeamViewer and anybody else there going to be looking at it and saying, lads, do we really want this? Do we really need this now? And, and, and yes, in that particular facet, obviously it added on top of that pile of toothpicks in, in an elephant's arse. But realistically speaking, in the grand scheme of things, I suppose it's maybe, look, maybe I'm slightly contradicting myself here. Maybe it, it, it definitely, it added on to everything that's been occurring since 2005. But I certainly don't think that it, it had a direct relation to it occurring. I think this is something, as, as you and I have been speaking about for the last four months, this is something that has been in the pipework for a very, very long time. And, and I also, think it's more it's so. It's not something that they would have just decided last week and said, no, we're running no. out of town. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, can you imagine Glazer like, getting wind at Ronaldo coming out and talking to Piers Morgan and just, just firing his hat at it and saying, I can't be arsed with this anymore. I'm done with it. I'm finished. It just it does it doesn't work that yeah. way. Like and, yeah. and and even the some after, people online are trying to after think everything the case. over the 17 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. no. I, I after you know, everything like, over the 17 years, he's going in and he's deleting Piers <laughs> Morgan's phone number out of his contact book. Like you know, it just <laughs> no. Oh, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions um, in from Michael Jordan, Sean is. Would a Ronaldo-led consortium be welcome? Dear God, can you imagine that? Imagine R- Ronaldo as like player manager. The <laughs> the absolute carnage that he would cause. I'm going to ask a bonus consortium. question added on to that. What do you think is the first thing Cristiano Ronaldo would do if he owned Manchester United? I reckon he'd install an eight-foot mirror inside in his office and would parade up and down in a pair of high heels with nothing else on inside in the office. <laughs> something along the lines of that and an, an exclusive show for Pierce Morgan because only he would say he looked fantastic um, so, yeah. Damien so. Young asks who are your preferred new owners now, maybe we won't ask that question specifically but what kind of what kind of owners are, are you going for Owners that understand that the club in terms of facilities in terms of structure, and in terms of overall cohesion, has been neglected for a very, very long time. Uh, owners that realize Carrington 20 years ago was state-of-the-art, and now it's essentially vintage. That like Carrington needs to be revamped. That the stadium is falling apart, and we need more than Band-Aids and coats of paint. The stadium is falling apart, so the stadium needs to be properly refurbished. I mean, when you're getting to a point when people are talking about should it be refurbed or knocked down and rebuilt, that says all you need to know. Mm-hmm. So owners that realize the infrastructure inside in, in, within the club needs to be revamped and brought up to state-of-the-art to, to, to compete with Manchester City, to compete with Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich and all these. But also that they need to realize that we need to have correct footballing people in footballing positions. We need to have a squad that is capable to, to, to compete across all fronts from, from day one to day 38 in the league, but that as well as that, after everything that has occurred since 2005, that we have, I would say, the most passionate fan base across football and that we deserve a clear channel of communication to be able to have fan involvement and proper fan representation. And maybe on a little side note, for somebody like yourself, 
or anybody else that's looking at taking back on a season ticket that they packed in like myself many, many years ago. Get rid of this digital nonsense. Bring back physical season tickets that you can sign and all of the little merchandise that comes along with it like an annual. Yeah, and, and, and bring in Sean Connolly. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'd burn the place down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it on purpose. I'd, I'd leave a fucking toaster on or something. It just it wouldn't go well. Leave the toaster on. Right, last question, Sean. So Dave Cleaver asks, Mr. Beckham is open to chat. I'm sure he is. He was open to chat with the Qataris when they were fluffing their money around. Um, he asks, would he have to pull out of his Inter-Miami investment in order to come home? Uh, he wouldn't have to. He wouldn't have to because the rule states in terms of owning multiple clubs is that you, they cannot be in the same European competition. So they can't be competing in the Champions League or the Europa League. So David Beckham, in theory, could have stakes in Inter Miami and Manchester United. That's possible. Do I think it'll happen? No. Um, anyone with this level of money is not going to want to spend it and have to issue over any agreements or any terms and conditions with David Beckham. They want to do it by themselves and have their own full ownership. Secondly, or thirdly even, I, I don't think I want David Beckham anywhere near the club anyway. You know, where is he going to be getting his money from? Mm. We're talking the, the, about sports question. And, and, and anyway, it's all pantomime. David Beckham only wants it for his own personal gain and personal story. Um, his own personal Disneyland. No a lot of people talking about the, the 92 and, and, you know, the whole thing with Salford and all that, that it was maybe an introductory level thing for them. Yeah, I, um, yeah. like, Imagine. I, know that, I know there's a certain level of nostalgia with all that, but I think, like, to fall back slightly on what we were just saying in the previous question, we, we need a proper progressive owner who understands that to make money you have to spend money. And I think that's probably the easiest way of, of cultivating it. So you need somebody with deep pockets because there's a lot of damage to be repaired. And they, they need to have deep pockets and they need to be willing to spend an awful lot of money before they start seeing it coming back. It's, it's, it's got to be someone who's in it for the long haul and who has a genuine interest in rebuilding Manchester United and just taking that sleeping giant and just bringing it back to the forefront of European powerhouse football where we can start getting into these situations where we're competing on a world championship front again. And, and if we can get that type of owner, fantastic. And I don't think it's out of the ballpark and even suggesting that this is what, we, what we, we should hope for. Naturally, we deserve it based on the club that we are. But it's not out of the realms of possibility and thinking that that's a pipe dream because there is people out there with deep pockets and that are sporting fans that would see Manchester United for what it is. It's, some, it's, 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 it's a football club that needs to... It needs a bit of TLC to get us back to where we were. But when, we, when we're back there, it is what it was going to be 20 years ago. It's a printing press of money. You know what I mean? And, and that's what it is for any proper owner. It is literally printing money. And, I mean, there, there, there's an owner out there for that. There's plenty of owners out there that could go the complete opposite way. But there's plenty of owners out there that have those deep pockets and surely have the ambition to lead a business correctly. Yeah, and there has been reports today of interest from Apple, although I think that would be very, very strange as a company. They don't tend to buy out many companies. I know they bought out Beats by Dre um, a couple of years ago, but Apple, they don't don't really tend to do that. And I think it would be, um, would be a big, big shock. There has been other names like Facebook, Amazon, um, and I'm sure that list will continue to grow 
throughout the week. I'll tell you By one. The time we speak to you next, go on, go. I'll tell you one now. Someone that could be very, very like if you're going in around those lines of those sort of channels, yeah. like Apple. No, I, I not. I couldn't see Apple. I mean, the whole the, the beats thing with Dre that made perfect sense. And and look, maybe yeah. in some sort of obscure business line, Manchester United would make sense. What it would make sense with is one of the streaming giants. That's who it would make sense with because they'd be able to get an exclusive right for Manchester United and they could do all sorts of documentary style things about the club, which would entice well, subscribers onto their platform. The potential there, I know it's not necessarily a streaming platform, but Facebook is... Um... Obviously, one of the big social media websites, but in recent years, it's kind of dying. Um, not many people use Facebook anymore. Or I don't really use Facebook. I'm not sure about you, but um, old people it, it, like myself, yeah, older, oh, like yourself, older people. Uh, but but I think that maybe Facebook, just suggesting throwing it out there, could look at something like this and kind of say, right, this might buy us back into the ballpark. Think of streaming rights, thinking of different avenues. Um, just maybe, maybe an interesting one to, to be keep reading into. Anyway, um, for more updates on the potential sale of Manchester United, make sure to be checking out straightynews.com. Subscribe to our newsletter at straighty.substack.com. Um, and Sean, how can people follow you on social media? They can follow me via at Sean, S H A U N Connolly, C O N N O L L Y 85. Excellent. And that's on Twitter. And you can get straight news on Twitter as well. Sean, thanks so much for joining me. But next week, I want an update on where Ronaldo is heading next. Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Good luck to him. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.